1: We see here in this image, an ancient temple, many of the ancient schools of mysteries, the schools of initiation, were modeled after the nature of the consciousness, the path. Their architecture literally embodied the stages of how the soul reaches divinity. The Voice of the Silence teaches about the fundamental steps of how consciousness transcends matter, energy, and terrestrial perception, and learns to know the heights of reality. More importantly, here, in us. We'll talk about states of consciousness, their levels, their qualities, but more importantly, how to recognize them. Our consciousness right now is in a potential state. It does not know yet the full gamut of what we can be, of who we really are in our depth. We'll talk about four states of consciousness beyond the three halls mentioned by Bovatsky in her scripture. Something to remember when we study this scripture or approach this type of knowledge, is that it is dangerous. Not physically, like a motorcycle accident, but internally, psychologically. When we begin to explore our mind, our heart, our senses, our psychology, we begin to perceive and witness that we have many elements in us which are not spiritual which are contrary to the work of divinity in us. We call those elements pride, anger, lust, fear, envy. These are lower qualities of consciousness. They are not true self. For lack of a better term, we call, really, the being, the truth, divinity. Blavatsky teaches in the very opening, which he transcribed this scripture, these instructions are for those ignorant of the dangers of the lower iddi, or to use the Sanskrit, city, powers, abilities. Just as there are powers in heaven within the spirit, there are powers also in the depths from our own rage, our own animality, our own defects. And as we explore ourselves, we begin to realize that we are filled with a lot of degeneration, a lot of defects, a lot of faults. And as we look inside at this reality, we see there is a struggle. Symbolized by every single scripture in the world, every mythology, even in Marvel movies. The battle between good and evil. Positive, negative. Truth versus illusion. And so these instructions are for those who look to go into their mind, like we see in this image. A strange figure. Obviously some of these images are not perfect for our purposes. But it does communicate at a certain point. We must explore the mind. And look for the truth. Of divinity. But in that process. We face many obstacles. We'll talk about those. The solution is in the second verse. About the nature of meditation. Meditation. Of learning to concentrate, focus attention, to learn about ourselves. He who would hear the voice of nada, the soundless sound, and comprehend it, he has to learn the nature of dorana. The voice of nada, the soundless sound we explained, is the perception of God in us. To receive insights, intuition, understanding about how to live, how to transform our life, For the better. It is soundless because it is not a terrestrial voice. It is a psychological one. It is internal. It is conscience. As we explained. But to perceive it. And to let alone comprehend that hunch. We need to pay attention. Examine your mind. Your emotional states. Observe yourself. This is not. A physical sense it is a psychological one self-observation the consciousness the soul must learn to look look at the thoughts feelings sensations of the body to observe pay attention to remember the moment we learn concentration or dharana in our studies of meditation focus on one thing and do not forget that you are looking inside at yourself. If you've studied meditation or practice it for some time, you know the mind is a wild animal. It is scatty, jumping from thought to thought, idea to idea, never integrated or focused on one thing. If we wish to know the voice of divinity, the mind is the obstacle. We must not be distracted we learn to pay attention here and now, moment by moment, instant by instant. And as we're learning to pay attention, we're examining life through the senses, but also with awareness. We're observing our surroundings. We're observing our mind. We're doing it moment by moment in a state of mindfulness. We must also learn to face difficult challenges, hardships, with indifference. Does not mean. To not care. It means equanimity. If somebody. As you know from living in Chicago. Is harassing people on the streets. We examine our mind. We don't get disturbed. We see the impression. We see what's happening. The experience. And then we don't get. Troubled. Or we don't lose our awareness and become filled with fear or anger or resentment. We watch. When hardships emerge, we transform them. This is why it states, having become indifferent to the objects of perception, the pupil must seek out the raja of the senses, the thought producer, he who awakes illusion. This is very interesting. Thought Mind, intellect, cannot know reality. It's a machine. It can store information. It can present thesis and antithesis, good and bad, yes and no. It can compare. It can associate, but it cannot understand divinity. It's a different sense. Has nothing to do with thought. Thought must be suspended. Doesn't mean we never use the intellect to live in this world. It means we know how to use it with wisdom as a soul. Because thoughts and themselves with their daydreams awake illusion, fantasy, daydream, preoccupation. We have to suspend that and become calm in the face of any challenge or deal. This is why the scripture states, the mind is the great slayer of the real. Let the disciple slay the slayer. We have an image here of Manjushri within Tibetan Buddhism. A great Buddha, an awakened one, carrying a sword of insight and the book of wisdom, representing study and practice. They must be harmonized. It's not enough to study this knowledge with the intellect to learn practices, to fill the mind, we must know how to apply it. Insight, perception of the truth, is what kills the illusions of the mind. Wisdom, understanding. In our studies, we relate that the mind is ego it's a Latin term for self. We don't mean this in the conventional language of pop psychology. and In the sense that a person with a big ego has a lot of pride. Any self, fear, resentment, hatred, lust, vanity, desire, that is mind, that is ego. We are not in our full depth the mind. We are consciousness that can perceive and understand. It's not a process of thought. We learn this through meditation. How to initiate and sustain that state. And little by little we gain knowledge of what in us keeps us asleep. Why we don't pay attention to our mind and to reality, to circumstances. We do so, again, through self-observation. Paying attention. And as we learn to observe, not know, but to observe ourselves, we begin to realize that we're not seeing reality 24-7. We do not see the facts. Manjushri here teaches that with perfect serenity, equanimity of consciousness, we can learn to look at a phenomenon and understand it and have great peace. It does not react with fear, agitation, doubt, it knows. This type of perception is very unusual, especially in the beginning. If you tried meditation, you begin to realize that the ability to focus attention on one thing without forgetting becomes easily distracted. And also we see that the churning of thought, emotion, mind, desire are distractions. They are not the true self. They are not our fundamental identity. And therefore they have no substantial reality. They are not real. They are not the soul. And by practicing this type of observation and remembrance of that state, we begin to realize that even our physical life, in a sense, is a type of illusion. We don't see it for what it really is. The scripture states, When to himself his form appears unreal, as do unwaking all the forms he sees in dreams. When he has ceased to hear the many, he may discern the one. The inner sound, which kills the outer. Very deep. The body is an illusion. We do not see it for what it is. It's made up of organs, cells, molecules, atoms. We don't perceive the fundamental reality or the, even the emptiness of the body. We see appearances. Not the full depth of what a thing is, or why we are where we're at. This is even more true on a psychological level. We don't tend to understand what motives or impulses propel us into life, and decide for us. But we realize this when we practice meditation. When you cease to hear the many, the information from the senses, and focus within the consciousness, you withdraw your senses from external phenomena and look inside, you begin to see that there is a deeper reality than just the mind, the senses, even our common dreams. There is another type of perception that's available to us, which the voice of the silence teaches. Then only, not till then, shall he forsake the region of Asat, the false, to come unto the realm of Sat, the true. Even the prefix A means without. To not see reality. I'm pretty sure we can think about any common experience in our life. Maybe we're obsessed with anger or pride. And then someone about a situation. And then someone communicates to us that this is not the what you think. And we realize we were deluded. We are stuck in fantasy. That's one minor example of a common state where we don't pay attention. We don't remember the consciousness. We're not learning to focus within. And in this way, we learn, as we we're practicing this techniques of this tradition, to not be so invested with our energy, with the tragedies and comedies and transience of life. Life fluctuates with its good and bad circumstances. And we tend to go with the flow. We go along with it. We don't watch why we behave, why we behave, or why things happen as they do. We just tend to think what we're thinking and feel what we're feeling. But that act of knowing is different from observation. You may know that you're seated in this chair, but are you observing the fact? Are you watching with your senses? And more importantly, are you observing your mind? Maybe your own thoughts or emotions, or reactions. We tend to invest all of our energy psychologically in the things of life, whether it be for food, drugs, alcohol, praise, security, money, external things, and not looking at the quality of the mind and who we are. Because wherever you direct your attention is where you spend energy. And if you want to begin to awaken the consciousness within meditation and to awaken within dreams, it's important to save energy. Psychologically, become sealed. It doesn't mean become careless or dead. It means to save your energy and learn to activate the consciousness. This is why in the voice of the silence, it states... If thy soul smiles while bathing in the sunlight of thy life, if thy soul sings within her chrysalis of flesh and matter, if thy soul weeps inside her castle of illusion, if thy soul struggles to break the silver thread that binds her to the master, know, O disciple, thy soul is of the earth. So if you studied astral projection, you may know about the silver cord, the antakarana thread, we call it, which connects the consciousness or the astral body to the physical body, which is never cut except when It is time for death. But here it's explaining something very subtle about if we follow the lower appetites of the mind it is like trying to cut our connection with divinity. The Quran even emphasizes this point. We are closer to you than your jugular vein. The divinity is within you. It's close to you. But if we identify with life, if we expand our energies outward, we are of the earth. When to the world's turmoil, thy budding soul lends ear. When to the roaring voice of the great illusion, thy soul responds. When frightened at the sight of the hot tears of pain, when deafened by the cries of distress, thy soul withdraws like the shy turtle within the carapace of selfhood. Learn, O disciple, of her silent God. Thy soul is an unworthy shrine. Consciousness is a temple. The body is a temple in which divinity can enter if we prepare, which is taught within the books as well as all the scriptures of the world about initiation, how to become one with divinity, to make divinity manifest in us. But for that to happen, The consciousness must be still, the mind must be calm, and the soul must be active. It's an interesting dynamic. The mind must be suspended, thought must cease, and the consciousness must be in command. It's a different sense from selfhood, which is a shell that we hide in when great adversity arrives. But as you know from the work of Samal and Vior in the path of initiation, we must face hardships to train our mind and our consciousness to face them with peace. And with understanding, we transform them. Also, we have this tendency of sending our energies outward, investing in the senses, and not really understanding How to be awake as a soul. The voice of the silence corroborates this. When waxing stronger, thy soul glides forth from her secure retreat, and breaking loose from the protecting shrine, extends her silver thread and rushes onward. When beholding her image on the waves of space, she whispers, This is I. Declare, O disciple, that thy soul is caught in the webs of delusion. So this ego, this self, this sense of me, mine, what is my passions, my appetites, my desires, is an illusion. It is not fundamentally real in the highest sense. These qualities are transient. They belong to the moment. When the right circumstance emerges, someone criticizes us. Pride and anger emerge. Situation changes. Someone praises us. We're happy. These things never stand still. We're constantly moving and the mind is always moving and that is what we ignore. Unless you observe in the moment this state and are focusing within to understand this sense. There are two qualities that we tend to bounce between. Craving and aversion, according to Buddhism. We either seek out in the world are the object of our desires or we want to run away. We want to avoid. This is the pendulum that swings and keeps us hypnotized and not really seeing the situation we're in and also knowing how to act in the moment with wisdom. This is because of ignorance. It doesn't mean to be without intellectual knowledge. It means to be without wisdom of the soul, observing the fact, to have gnosis, real knowledge. And so, as we learn about these studies, we're entering a path that leads to the realization of these fundamental truths in ourselves. This earth disciple is the hall of sorrow, wherein are set along the path of dire probations, traps to snare thy ego or self by the delusion called great heresy. This life is a testing ground. This is where we initiate our work. We face hardships and ordeals, challenges, struggles to test our caliber. Divinity organizes this. So that as you're working on yourself and you have challenges come up in your life, you see your greatest defects: your weaknesses, your errors. And also, we face challenges because when the water boils at 100 degrees Celsius, you can really learn to disintegrate what must be disintegrated. Because the ego, the self, is like a shell, like in the scripture. It's a carapace. It's a tortoise shell. And by breaking the shell, like breaking the lamp that holds the genie, you free the soul. You free the consciousness. And therefore, you're no longer deluded by this feeling of separateness from people. You feel compassion and wisdom and understanding of them and seek to help them in their journey. So, this earth, O ignorant disciple, is but the dismal entrance leading to the twilight that precedes the valley of true light, that light which no wind can extinguish, that light which burns without a wick or fuel. We included some interesting images we reference quite a bit. We have the Tree of Life, the Kabbalah, or Jewish mysticism, which is a map of being from lower levels of matter, energy, and perception up to the heights, the most divine. These are dimensions, they are places where we go to when we dream. And also, they are states of mind, states of being. This Trinity is very significant on the top of this glyph for understanding the nature of perception, of which the voice of the silence teaches. From an abstract divine potential known as the Absolute, Hebrew Ein, Ein Sof, Ein Sof, or, emerges a light. This light expresses as three, a trinity within all religions. Three aspects of being, one light. It is perception. From this supreme light, which the Kabbalists call Keter, the crown, emerges Hokma, which means wisdom. And likewise, onto Bina, which means intelligence. Or to use Christian terms, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Or Hindu, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. In Buddhism, Sambo Dharmakaya, sambhogakaya, Nirmanakaya. Three aspects of being. Wisdom is the ability to perceive, to penetrate into any phenomenon. Visdom, vision, the power of inner sight. And intelligence, bina, sometimes as translated as understanding, is real comprehension. When you look at one phenomena, you understand it with your being and you're able to, with wisdom and intelligence and the remembrance of the supremacy of divinity, we know how to navigate life and all its hardships. But this state of consciousness is very difficult to grasp in this level, unless we're really working and trying to change daily. This state of consciousness to our senses and our mind is a state of non-being. Because we feel in our terrestrial identity, we have this self. I, me, what I am. But it is not the being. The being does not have I, me, myself, according to how we think and feel this level. It is selfless. But it is not annihilation. It is being. It is perception. It is Real wisdom. Saith the great law. In order to become the knower of all self, the being. Omniscience. Consciousness of all. Thou is first of self to be the knower. Know thyself. As the Gospels of the Gnostic Gospels teach, but also the Temple of Delphi. And you will know the universe and the gods. To reach that knowledge, or the knowledge of that self, thou hast to give up self to non-self, being to non-being. And then thou canst repose between the wings of the great bird. Give up this sense of I, what I want, crave, attachments, to experience something more, the reality So the being is cannot mix with self, our terrestrial ego, our mind. It's like oil and water. When you clean the mind, when you calm the mind, and you purify it, it's like a mirror. And then the light of divinity can, little by little, express. But it's a patient work. Not easy. It is the great bird because it is, to use Christian terms, the Holy Spirit the energies of divinity. A white bird, sometimes represented in different cosmologies, like by the eagle. It is pure and immaculate, a divine energy. "Aye, sweet is the rest between the wings of that which is not born, nor dies, but is the Aum throughout eternal ages. This mantra, Aum, is the mantra of divinity, or Om in Sanskrit. Three letters, Aum, relate to this top trinity. This state of being is never born. It never dies. It is eternal. What is born and dies, develops and evolves, is the intellect. These things are transitory. Because our thoughts, feelings, desires have a beginning, they will have an end. But... What we do with them is the point. As described in the path of initiation. Bestride the bird of life if thou wouldst know. Give up thy life if thou wouldst live. So we talk a lot in our studies about the energies of transmutation, alchemy, pranayama. The bird of life, the Holy Spirit, we state very explicitly, is the sexual energy. It is the power of life to create. By working with the energies, by saving them, and with prayer, devotion, mantra, meditation, alchemy, we raise it up the spine to the mind and then to the heart, and therefore achieve initiation. The wings of the spirit, the ability to astral travel, jinn states, many powers and abilities, telepathy, clairvoyance, imagination. These things open up through these spiritual senses, through this energy. But to work with this state, we have to give up our life. This is the essential tenet of initiation. By entering this type of work, we give up many things that we are attached to. It's going to be particular to us. But more importantly, pride, anger, fear, negative elements. We have to give that up if we want to enter a new way of being. So to understand being, we study four states of consciousness. These states of consciousness do not just pertain to the physical body. They pertain to the soul. In a conventional sense, susupti, the lowest level, is profound sleep. Meaning you go to bed, eight hours later, you don't dream. Darkness. Beyond that is Svapna, dreaming sleep, where you may have some fragments of images and dreams and memories from the dream state. This is the second state of consciousness. And then Jagrat, waking consciousness, which many yogis typically associate with being in the physical body. But in truth, it's deeper than that. We'll talk about why. Turiya, spiritual illumination. To be with the perception of like a god, an angel, a master, perceiving not only this physical world, but multiple dimensions at once, a being like a Jesus, a Buddha, a Muhammad, a Krishna, a Moses. While that's the conventional definition of these states, in truth, we experience sushupti all the time. If you examine your daily states by performing a retrospection. You can sit to meditate, recall in your mind the images of your day, and try to remember what you did, what you saw, who you met, what you said, what you thought, what you felt. If there are gaps, if you can't remember anything, that is susupti. Complete sleep. The consciousness is not driving the car. The body So the question becomes, who is driving our car? It's ego. I, me, myself, defects, those vices or errors that bottle up the consciousness which we created. Beyond that, obviously, if you begin to remember some fragments and images of your day, maybe some daydreams or preoccupations or worries, our thoughts which kind of wander from thing to thing. That is Svapna. That's dreaming. Even when you're physically in your body. If you're driving your car, you're thinking of your friend, your fiance, your family. You're not driving the car. Your mind is thinking, is elsewhere. That's dreaming. That's sleep. Sleep with dreams. To be in Jagrat means to remember yourself. If you're driving, drive your car. If with your family, cooking a meal, cook the meal. But don't think and get preoccupied with other things. Don't fantasize. Be where you're at, doing what you're doing. You'll, be, you'll see from experience that this state is very difficult to maintain. It's called mindfulness. It's not just observation of the moment, but remembering your state, your consciousness, moment by moment, so that you can learn to gather data You do so by observing your mind, your intellect, your body, and look at the mind, at what it's doing. What are its distractions? How does it keep us asleep as a psyche, as a soul? So that by clearing up the mind and freeing ourselves of those elements, we can get grasped glimpses of turiya or turiya, which is the state of being of a mahatma a god. Physically, you may be asleep, but in the internal worlds, you are fully lucid, awake, talking with an initiate, with your inner being, with divinity. And even beyond that, states where the soul can unite, even if but temporarily, with a, as a vacation, like having a visa, these higher regions. Very beautiful. And they inspire us to continue working. Because be, we see from experience that there was realities beyond our cage, the prison of the mind. We gave you the, the Sanskrit terms, but here are the Greek, because this doctrine is taught in Plato's Republic, through the allegory of the cave, how we go from the subconscious mind up into the light of truth, escaping the caverns of the intellect. So there are two superior states, which we emphasized, and two inferior Complete sleep is ikasia. sleep with dreams is Pistis, awakened consciousness is Dianoia, and the enlightened state of Turia is Noose. Same doctrine given in the Greek way. Ikasia means imagination from ikonon, images, sleep without dreams. It might seem paradoxical. How is it that we can perceive images if we're completely asleep? Ever watch a television show in which you've lost all attention and you only are immersed in the images? You only see through the television screen the characters, the drama, the comedy, the tragedy, and yet we're not even aware of our body. That's seeing images but being passive, asleep, or the consciousness is not active, The mind is active, and that's the difference. The mind is active, the consciousness is asleep, and vice versa. If the consciousness is active and the mind is calmed, still, you can begin to awaken it. You can on images. Also, our deepest defects are images in the mind. This is the state of consciousness of humanity in which people go to war, people commit violence. Mob mentality. Big crowds would suck in people, and they do things that they would never do in any other setting. But they were hypnotized by the crowd, by the mob. That's complete sleep, a state of war. The soul is not there. The mind is, the ego is, but pistis, belief, or in the conventional sense, faith, is dreams. We may have many ideas about God, many ideas about who we are, our psychology, our tastes. And yet these are convictions without evidence. It's important to emphasize what pistis really means. It comes from pisteo, to, to uh, have conviction or to grasp at. Many people believe in dreams. They have many beliefs about whether it's politics or religion, divinity, spirituality. But none of it is real. because It is not experienced. It's just thoughts, emotions. It is a grasping at things. But jagrat, as we said, awakened consciousness, is when the soul is active, remembering, paying attention, mindful, Dainoi also means imagination, to perceive images, but this is different. The consciousness is now perceiving images, whether in meditation or in dreams. You're intentionally observing the fact. You may be meditating and relaxing your mind. Suddenly new images emerge. They come to your consciousness, your awareness, without you thinking or anticipating. But you're doing it willingly. You just suddenly see things. This is an important step means that we're awakening Dianoia. But more importantly Dianoia also is the observation of thought, mind, perception from daya, thoroughly from side to side which intensifies noyoa, to use the mind or noose. it is awakened consciousness. It means that you are observing your mind and you're not the victim of it. You're not its slave. You know how to use the mind in life when necessary And put it aside when you don't need it. This is very different from our modern life in America, where everything is intellect, thought, 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 thinking, constantly churning. And yet we're so busy with the intellect that our consciousness is completely asleep. In fact, the consciousness is very lazy. It's ironic, right? I mean, you you may be busy doing things, but you're not, you think you're very productive, but then you're not awake. Just mechanical. But to be in a state of dianoia means to learn to use your intellect, to move side to side, to use it thoroughly, because you know how to adapt to the moment. You use the intellect when you need it. But beyond that is nous, superior levels of being. People usually translate it as mind, which or intellect, which is a poor translation. It's a state of abstract consciousness, not intellect. Some, uh, some writers from the, whether from Arabic or Greek, talk about nous or mind, the mind of God. But it's not intellect. It is not rationalization. It is not thought. It's the ability, the intelligence of looking at any phenomena and knowing its truth. No thought there. The being does not think. The being is. And the intellect is just the tool. The voice of the silence teaches these states of consciousness in the scripture. They call them the three halls, beyond which is the realm of Noos, or Turia, the heights. Three halls, O weary pilgrim, lead to the end of toils. Three halls, O conqueror of Mara, illusion, will bring thee through the three states, into the fourth, and thence into the seven worlds, the worlds of rest eternal. So when you work with Dianoya, and you're learning to access noose, those higher states of consciousness and meditation. You learn to experience these higher regions of the Kabbalah in your meditations, whether through images, dreams, visions. You go up these seven spheres, the seven sephiroth or emanations of divinity, these levels of nature and matter and perception to experience the truth. By entering Dianoya, you learn to access astral projections, lucid dreams, meditative experiences. And then you can even go beyond in the fourth, which is the level of knowledge of a god. You can even unite with your being, your inner god, your spirit. We sometimes say seven realms, seven dimensions, because these ten sephiroth or spheres manifest in different levels of density. They are the worlds of rest eternal, which we seek If thou wouldst learn their names, then hearken and remember. The name of the first hall is ignorance, avidya. Again, this is complete sleep. Lack of awareness. Avidya, or vidya means knowledge. And avidya means without knowledge. Not merely intellectual knowledge, but knowledge of perception within meditation. The name of hall, the second, is the hall of learning. Sometimes translated as probationary learning. Why is the realm of study and intellect, thoughts, which in a sense are dreams, a hall of probation? Obviously, in our level, we have intellect. We need to use it. It's a tool, but we don't know how to use it wisely. It is probation because when we enter or seek to enter the path of initiation, we study. We learn initially through books, through lectures. We need guidance. We need help and understanding of what the doctrine is, what the heart of religion is, what religion means. We need to be taught about practices, how to actually activate these states. And so it's like a, we chose this image of a big library because fortunately we have a lot of wisdom in the world, a lot of knowledge, a lot of scriptures. But unfortunately, Most people leave it there. They leave it in the intellect. They don't go further. And this is why it is probation. Probation meaning we are tested in our candidacy for entering the higher lodges, the higher worlds. In thy soul will find the blossoms of life, but under every flower a serpent coiled. It's the same statement given by Salmon Vior. The spirit of the letter that vivifies is also the letter that kills. In a sense, some people can get stuck in books, just reading a lot, looking at the blossoms of life, the experiences of other people, reading about other people's astral projections, but not practicing to know it for oneself. So this is the difference. Under each book, a serpent coiled. A serpent is our own desires, ready to ensnare, just become fascinated with reading or intellect. The name of the third hall is wisdom, beyond which stretch the shoreless waters of Akshara, the indestructible fountain of the Nisians. That hall of wisdom is Dianoya. Real wisdom is when we experience it. It's when we know it for ourselves. When you experience the nature of mind, the intellect, it is a form of wisdom, perception. But it is also painful, because we see we have a lot of faults. It's not easy. But if we're persistent with meditation, we can experience the truth even beyond that. Akshara. Nous. Turiya. A state of being which is free of self. Pure knowing. But within us, we must establish order in our psychological house. Before the soul can see, the harmony within must be attained and fleshly eyes be rendered blind to all illusion. We need ethics. Ethics does not mean a religious code or doctrine to believe in. It means knowing in our heart what is right and what is wrong. What we should do moment by moment. Not a belief. That harmony we experience when the mind settles because we're not throwing ourselves in the waters, thrashing with Negative emotions, with pride, hatred, fear, vanity, defects, we put it aside. Ethics is the key. Right ways of being, here and now. And in that way, we have to learn to calm the mind, but also we have to learn to not identify with life, whether it's extreme or subtle. To not be distracted by the call of the sirens. Which shipwreck men into the reef of destruction. You must be like Odysseus and become blind to that. Close up your ears like in the Greek myth with beeswax. It's interesting. The bee is an interesting symbol. We're like a bee trying to transform pollen into honey, transform the mind into the sweetness of the soul. But you have to become deaf to your mind and what it wants, its illusions. Before the soul can hear, the image, man must, has to become as deaf to roarings as to whispers, to cries of bellowing elephants as to the silvery buzzering of the golden firefly. Before the soul can comprehend and may remember, she must unto the silent speaker be united, just as the form to which the clay is modeled is first united with the potter's mind. For then the soul will hear and will remember. To Comprehend Divinity and remember divinity, we have to pay attention and follow our heart. There's a thread that connects us moment by moment with the truth, our own divine being, our divine mother, our divine father, Christ, many aspects of being that we have within. We have to know that thread and to follow it, those hunches, those intuitions, so that when you sit to meditate, you can concentrate even deeply, more deeply, and not get distracted. For then the soul will hear and it will remember, and then to the inner ear will speak, the voice of the silence. Those are the mystical experiences that we talked about. So some bit of more advice from the scripture about how to transcend these halls and to enter the heights. If thou wouldst cross the first hall safely, let not thy mind mistake the fires of lust that burn therein for the sunlight of life. In a very basic level, we have a lot of fire in our body, the sexual energy. And in the basis of every religion, they teach their students, conserve your energy. Do not waste it. Do not mistake the fire of lust, sensations of desire in the body, with the sunlight of life, as the meaning of life. Passion is the main obstacle. Because those passions, when we lose those forces which can awaken the consciousness, we shut the light off. But the power of the Holy Spirit, the sexual power, rises in us when we save it. And that opens the wings of intuition, understanding, wisdom. If thou wouldst cross the second safely, stop not the fragrance of its stupefying blossoms to inhale. If freed thou wouldst be from the karmic chains, seek not for thy guru in those mayavic regions." If you would be free from the Hall of Pistis, dreams, don't look for your guru there in books. Don't look for it in anywhere external. Look within your own consciousness. Yes, there are people in the Gnostic movement and other movements who may have some development, but that's not the point. No matter how elevated a master may be, Don't look for wisdom in just words, from what someone says, although it's useful to guide us in some basic level, but they don't only take you to a point. We have to live the doctrine, experience it, so that we can transcend our karma, the consequences of our former actions. The wise ones of Dianoya tarry not in pleasure grounds of the senses, meaning they don't identify with the body. Appetite, craving, desire. Even of the mind, because the mind has its own appetites and desires, whether for anything. The wise ones heed not the sweet-tongued voices of illusion, meaning the intellect. So we have to clarify the intellect. Seek for him who is to give thee birth in the hall of wisdom, the hall which lies beyond, wherein all shadows are unknown and where the light of truth shines with unfading glory. The following verses are very interesting. If we would know higher dimensions, such as through astral travel, we have to give up, again, as I was saying, uh, the mind. That which is uncreate abides in the disciple as it abides in that hall. And thou wouldst reach it and blend the two. If you would go from Dianoia to uh, Noose, if you go from the awakened consciousness to the consciousness of a God, you have to learn to divest thyself of thy dark garments of illusion. If you've studied Bobatsky, you know about in Theosophy, Kamarupa and Manas, desire body or astral body and mind. In the tree of life, it is these two spheres. We use these vehicles when we dream. Hod, the astral body. Or Netzach, the mind. Mental body. They are vehicles we use even physically. The brain is just a vehicle of mind and heart. Mental body, astral body. Thoughts emerge from that dimension inside are manifest in our brain. We have to give up that up. Lunar ways of being, meaning mechanical ways of being, the mind is related to the moon; it's lunar, and the moon, as a symbol in all religions, is does not have light of its own. It steals; it takes from others; it takes from the sun. But we want to be like the sun, radiating our own light, our own consciousness. Stifle the voice of flesh; allow no image of the senses to get between his light and thine, that thus the twain may blend in one. Obviously, people think of this basically as fakirs who train their body with austerities to overcome appetite, craving for physical things. This flesh is psychological. It is there a psychological appetite. What do we consume with our mind? What desires do we satiate with our intellect, with our heart, not merely the body? So that by allowing no image, no ego, no icon no idol, no stone or statue to get between the light of our divinity and the soul. You must, blend, you must erase that so that you can get beyond. And having learnt thine own ignaya, your own ignorance, flee from the hall of learning. This hall is dangerous in its perfidious beauty, is needed but for thy probation. Beware, lanu, disciple, lest dazzled by delusive radiance thy soul should linger and be caught in its deceptive light. It's sad, but many people who have studied religion, spirituality for decades who attempted meditation do not have that experience because they're not giving up their own mind. The mind is the obstacle, the intellect, the ego is what clouds our understanding. It is a false light. Luciferian intellect thinks it has no knowledge of things, but it doesn't know. It's just a machine. has no life of its own. It imitates. It repeats. The light is different. The light is a source of genius and originality. If through the hall of wisdom thou wouldst reach the veil of bliss, disciple, close fast thy senses against the great dire heresy of separateness that weans thee from the rest. So in Synthesis the feeling of I, myself, and other must end. That is the nature or essence of Mahayana Buddhism. It is the essence of compassion, in which we work not for ourselves, but for others. And that's going to be very important to remember as we study the rest of the scripture in relation to the Tree of Life and how to enter the higher stages of initiation. You have questions
0: so there's these three halls of ignorance learning wisdom do you think there could be any relationship to well we say that Malkut and yesod are kind of ones so could that be ignorance and then the astral plane with a hold could be learning and then that zak with the mental plane could be wisdom, but then you have to go past those into like the causal plane with tip breath to really access your soul. Do you think there's any relationship there or is she just talking about those four states of consciousness that you reference?
1: There's a relationship there. Now, more importantly, pistis and Icacia, sleep and sleep without dreams, is here. We call them klipot. These are the hell realms. Klipot means shells. And the ego is a shell. Anger is a shell that traps the light of love. Lust is a shell that traps chastity, purity. Fear is a shell that entraps confidence in divinity. And so all the egos that we possess, defects in which we dream, whether with some awareness or not, is hell. So these regions are not somewhere outside. In fact, we are in hell right now. We have all these defects which belong to that level of nature. It's inferior. But as you're learning to awaken consciousness in this cave, you're gaining light. You're learning to escape, to see reality even in Malkut, this physical body. Dianoya, the state of consciousness of uh, revising our beliefs of ourselves, occurs as we're studying who we are with meditation, not with books. So this image of Manjushri with a sword and a book its a symbol of us. We're meditating, and with insight, we look at our defects. We're examining our own hell realms in us. And by studying the book of our life, every day is a chapter. And every, you know, the book itself is an allegory of that. You learn to gain wisdom to cut through illusion. So you're starting to understand even the higher dimensions. You learn to dream, but not down here. You dream above. It's a duality in nature. If your ego, which is dense... Is trapping you downward in hell. You will experience those regions, whether through nightmares or whatnot. But with Da'inoya, you're learning to ascend to higher dimensions. Now, there comes a point when you reach Tiferet. You go beyond the physical body, the vital energies or vital body, Yesod. Hod, the astral body, Netzach, the mental body. You experience in Nirvana, the causal world, Tiferet in beauty, beauty in Hebrew. In a sense, that's the middle ground between Dianoya and Noose. Because these higher regions, Geburah, the spiritual soul, and Chesed, the spirit, the being uh, Atman, the truth, no self can go there. That's Noose. And there's levels of Noose, obviously, levels of divine being. As I said, it was mistranslated as intellect. Above that, we have even higher spheres, ways of being which are so sacred that. It's, almost, it's really impossible to communicate with words. You have to experience it. So Dianoya takes you to a point. But then in the world of tifereth, the world of willpower is where you learn to either follow selfish will or divine will. Sure. Dianoya, you said it means like back and forth. Does that... Have anything to do with like left brain, right brain going back and forth like that, or no? Really. Dianoia, good question. I'd say dianoia is a psychological attitude, it doesn't correlate physically with the brain. Okay. The brain itself has its mechanicity, we need it. It's a marvelous instrument, it's a, it's a vehicle that is created with so much intelligence that even scientists don't understand. But the thing to remember is that. Rather than focus on the physicality, we have to focus on the psychology. How can we, as a psyche, as a soul, learn to evade the machinations of the ego, the intellect? The physical brain is a vehicle. It is not the mind. It's a machine that we use to process the mental body physically. So these dimensions are not only just outside of us, but they're inside here and now. The way that you practice dianoia is when you see perhaps, whether meditation or in your day, Certain so egos emerge as you're watching. Maybe pride starts to come up in relation to a person in your life, and then you understand it. Ah, oh, this is an ego. And then you don't act on it, don't repress it, don't feed it. Understand it. That act of understanding is the dianoia. You're revising your beliefs, your understanding. You're thoroughly using the mind or going beyond the mind. You don't um, get caught up. It's interesting that even in um, Chinese mythology. And even in the botanic gardens, if you've been there, there's a bridge that leads to the Japanese garden. Actually, it's Japanese mythology. It looks like a rune sig, this bridge that leads from one part of the island to the other. I'm sure you've seen. The myth says that demons cannot cross bodies of water. Even more importantly, they can't cross a jagged bridge. Because the mind, the devil, is, is mechanical. It only acts in accordance with its conditioning. But the consciousness knows how to adapt in the moment. Interesting, too, that demons can cross bodies of water, referring to the purity of the sexual energy. If you're transmuting that energy, you can form the rune Sig, the fire of Kundalini. So it's great that we have botanic gardens that has that, but Dianoi is that, adapting side to side. Being a thorough in one's analysis of the consciousness of the mind, knowing the intellect for what it is.
0: To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or Gnosticteachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at ChicagoNosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagognosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy, may all beings be joyful, may all beings be in peace.